Man, I'm about overwhelmed. How about you? Can we just give Jesus a shout and a clap again? Hey, honey, could you do me a favor? Could you grab that little thing right there and come up here? Hey, Kay, can you say hey to your family? <laughs> so this is Cade Levi. He's uh, a whopping seven pounds right now. Uh, so Timberly uh, has been holding him all morning. Uh, so pay attention, Timberly, okay? All right, so uh, thank you, honey. Love you, little buddy. So man, am, am I not a lucky guy? Yeah, so I married up, and then that happened. Got a nineteen, a boy who turned nineteen yesterday. Parker turned nineteen yesterday. So, and Cade is fifteen days old today. So, just so blessed. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Even outside of that, just this morning. Uh, I mean, I just feel his presence, and I hope you're open to whatever he's going to do in your life, even if it scares you to death. You know what you need to have dealt with by God, because he's already showed you. And uh, we've been in just an amazing series, and uh, just talking about the irresistible family. I believe the church is the greatest thing uh, as far as family goes in the world. It has to be, because it has been designed and given to us by God. Is the thing in which God has, has uh, directed all of his attention to, to become the hands and the feet and the voice into the world, to give the world hope through Jesus. There is no other plan. The church is it. God doesn't say, well, if they don't get their stuff together, then uh, let's go to plan B. No, this is it. The church is the plan in which God extends the hope and the grace and the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. You are that hope. Oh, Ryan, I thought Jesus was the hope. Well, the, Paul said in Colossians, Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's a powerful thing. And what we've been talking about is how God is irresistible. Week one, we talked about we need to grow bigger and we need to get our rhythm. So you need to be here every week that you can because this is where we get the rhythm of what celebration is called to do and be. Uh, the rhythm of our purpose, the vision and the mission, and the rhythm in our generosity with our life. That was week one. So if you didn't uh, hear that, you can catch up. Week two, Cade decided to be born. So Dennis hopped in and filled in, did an amazing job. We watched in the hospital. And it was the first message that Cade heard in the world. He slept through the whole thing. But we talked about we got to grow smaller. So not only are we growing bigger in this room where we're gathering together and we're getting our rhythm, but we also got to grow smaller. And that's, that's where we make the music. That's where we sort of like get you in the band, find your place, and that's where our life groups come in, where you figure out the vision and mission and how to land it in your family and in your workplace and in your school 
That's why life groups are critical and crucial to where care happens. That's where care happens for our larger family, happens in smaller settings. We are not a church where if you end up in the hospital, as pastors, we will try to make it. But we don't want you to be dependent upon us. We want us to be dependent upon each other. The pastors, we are here to equip the body for service. And if you're in a life group, you know how crucial that has been to your life. To have people pray for you and visit you and you do fun things in life together, it's been critical and crucial. And last week we talked about growing deeper. And I took a risk at the end of the service and I said, go find an accountability partner right there. And I, then there was movement in the room. One lady came up to me and told me uh, uh, yesterday, she said, Man, there was somebody I, I thought I was going to, uh, I wanted to be an accountability partner with, but I just, I was scared to move. But then somebody started walking towards me and, uh, that I didn't want to be an accountability partner with, and I got nervous because I thought they were coming to ask me, and I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then somebody tapped me on the shoulder, I turned around, and it was the person I felt God called me to be an accountability partner with, and they said, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I got to bail you out, scare you just a little bit, be like, oh, not them, not them, Lord, anybody but them. I know nobody feels that way about anybody in, in your life. But we talked about we got to get that right mix. You need somebody, and I need somebody in my life that will be the sound engineer to the music, where they'll twist those knobs because the band cannot hear what we hear. Nobody can mix the house music for the band except a sound guy. They can't mix their own music. Just the same way that accountability where you're trying to meet with somebody who you've given permission to speak truthfully and lovingly about your struggles, your fears, your sin, your dreams, all those things, and, try to, and your responsibilities and try to help you walk that out. And today, uh, we're going to end this series uh, just talking about music. So... Uh, what do you do when you hear a good song come on the radio? In fact, there's three words I'm looking for, and you'll know them right when you hear this. Hold on, okay, stop, stop. We got to get that coming through the house, and then I want everybody to tell me those three words. I heard a few of them. Go again, Patrick. Turn it up. Now, keep playing. Now, now, you, now, all right. Now, Patrick is from Tennessee, and he said, dude, this hurts to have to play this. So uh, y'all give Patrick a hand. Thank you for playing that. Would you like to play Rocky Top? Is that what you're looking for? So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, sweet home Alabama. So sweet, or if you've Christianized it, what, what's the Christian version of that? Does anybody know? That was like in the early night. Yes, what is it? Sweet home up in heaven. Sweet home up in heaven. Da -na 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 -na. When you hear a good song, have you ever been like on the road, like on 421 or wherever you may drive, and you pull up to the, the stoplight and you hear the rumble coming, and you're like, where is that? And you hear music blasting. And then they pull up beside you, and they're just into it. They're just singing along. It may be you. You may be the one doing this. They're just singing, going to the music, and you just sort of look at them. And then sometimes, in my case, I'm just singing like crazy, and I pull up to a stoplight, and I'm just singing. I look over. I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> Whoops. 
Somebody's watching. You ever pulled up to the stoplight, you hear the music, and then you try to start finding it on the radio, and then you find it with them, and you start saying, yeah. Well, see, what happens when we find good music and we, we want to turn it up? Some of you may be past that age, and you turn everything down. How many of you, just be honest, everything's too loud? All right, okay, all right. So we have earplugs uh, at the door. Uh, some, of, some of you utilize those. We wasn't sure if people would. They do. If it's too loud in here, then we're going to turn it up. Why? Because I think this should be the loudest room in our life. Uh, not, now, not, not hurtful loud, because it's all about the mix, by the way. You know you can turn up the music louder when you have the mix right? And a lot of us, this is just where we are in our life. We can't turn the music up because we haven't allowed somebody to mix it for us. We've got this relationship with God. It's loud. It's blaring. It's all the EQs are off, and it hurts people's ears on the way that we live our life. And somebody needs to tune that in. Some of us, we turn the volume all the way down. But we need to get to this place where we say, this is my jam. And we talk about the life in Christ being a part of who we are. If you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to get there in just a minute. But that's where we're going to be uh, for most of the sermon. We're going to be all around the scripture, but keep going back there. So that's going to be a home base for today. But when you turn up the music, it's because it reminds you of something. Some of you are a, a product of the 70s, so and 80s. You know, if you were in the late 80s, early 90s, you're, you're a product of boy bands. You know, how many of you had new kids on the block on your, your wall or in sync or something like that, a poster, okay? Hold it up high and proud. Don't even act like you're not ashamed. So I saw a dude's hand go up over here. I'm, I'm kidding. But we, we actually become loud about the things that we enjoy in life. We talk about them. We, we constantly bring them up in our life, and we, we want to share that with the world. But I want to answer a question today. Why are we loud? Why should the church be loud? Not obnoxious, but why is it that our music, the sound, the life in Christ, why should that be the loudest thing that we have in our life? Because we want to turn it up. We want to grow wider. Because when you turn up the volume, it's able to impact further and further and further. And that's what we want to be able to do in our community and in the world. So I want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 9. Can we do something just a little bit different? We do this every once in a while. Can we stand for the reading of God's word this morning? If you don't feel comfortable standing, you don't have to. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Some of you feel that. All of us do. We should. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong... I love that. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. You may be seated. Something happened to the apostle Peter where he writes a very strong passage of encouragement and uh, motivation. 
He says, you know what? You are a chosen people, chosen by God. Now, a lot of us, we understand this feeling because when you stood in school in the gym and you're getting picked for dodgeball, greatest sport in PE, okay? Just, I'm just saying, there's nothing like drilling someone in the face with a dodgeball, even though that was like a non, that was an illegal hit when I played. You didn't get out if you got hit in the face, which gave you more reason to hit somebody multiple times. I heard these things. It wasn't me. But you stood there and you waited to be chosen. Do you know what? That God has chosen every, everyone in the world and they, he gives them a chance to be on his team, be part of his family. And once you cross over in, in that life, you become those chosen people, a royal priesthood. How many of you walk around like you're royalty? Now, if we were in England, that would be okay. Around here, we call those people snooty, and we like, well, y'all act like you're royalty. Well, if you were part of a royal family, I think it would change the way that you live. And we are. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Here's the coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. I used to be an illegitimate son. I used to be a rebel against God. I was not part of his family. I was part of a family that would be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And then I came and I met Jesus Christ. I turned from my sin. I repented. I received him as Savior. And then I, God adopted me out of my rebellion, out of my sin, in spite of myself, and adopted me and made me a son. I've got to experience this in two ways. When I married my beautiful wife, Angie, I brought Parker into my life and I treated him as my son. So I know, I know what that feels like to take someone into my life that is not my biological son, that was not born from me. And God has one born from him, and that is Jesus Christ. And we become his part of that, his sons and daughters, we become God's family, the irresistible family, the greatest family that's ever existed. But we're a mess. Sometimes the music that we play is a mess. The sound that we make, we've got to get it together. There's ebbs and flows in our lives where we don't get our rhythm. We lose the rhythm because we quit coming on a Sunday morning and we lose that. Well, we don't have that intimate setting with a family where we're caring for somebody and someone's caring for us. Or we get to that place where we shut everyone off and nobody can speak into our life. But we still got music playing because we're still part of the family and the song never stops. And if the song never stops, then you need to make sure it sounds right and it looks right. See, we invite people into our family. That's what this is about. Today's about inviting people into the family, any and everybody. No matter what color they are, no matter what their beliefs are, no matter what is going on in their life, they are invited into the family of God. And when they step into this family, they're changed. They become sons and daughters, which means their identity changes, which means a lot of things in their life will change. And I say that to say this to you. If you say that you're a Christian but nothing's changed, you're not a Christian. You're not a part of the family. Because when God becomes your father, he changes your character and your nature and the direction of your life. That's what repentance is. It's a new life. It's a new direction. But we don't just invite people into the family because it's commanded of us. 
But we do it because, because we live, we're part of the greatest thing on earth. The family of God, the church is the greatest thing. And we want to share it with the whole world. Because we want to tell people their reason for existence. How tragic is it? How evil is it of us if we know why everybody in Wilkes County exists and we do not tell them? If every time we pull up to the light, we turn down the radio. Every time we walk into our cubicle, we turn down the radio. Every time we walk into our school campus, we turn down the music of God that's supposed to be permeating and coming out of our life. It's an irresistible sound. What is that? What is that song? And so many of us, the second we walk out of this room, it's the first thing we do is we turn it down. And we never give people a chance to even taste and see that God is good. Because I believe this with all my heart. We're the irresistible family because we serve an irresistible God. I believe if we show people who God truly is, they may not receive Him, but they will know that they want Him. They still may try to chase and find Him in drugs and pleasure and all other things in life, but they know at the end of the day, they know that's what they want because they're trying to find it in everything else. But if we don't ever give them a chance to truly hear what He sounds like and truly see what He looks like, then how evil is celebration? How evil are you and how evil am I? And I know we've got a lot of great excuses. I know you're an introvert. You might not believe this, but I am too. I can climb into a hole in a mountain and not talk to a human. Before I got married, after I got married, my wife wasn't very uh, keen on this, but I love to go hiking and camping all by myself. She's not much about that now. She's like, what if something happens? And I started thinking, what if something happens? So now I go with a bunch of boys and a, like a bunch of trail life boys, and it's, it's completely different. But my goal when I would hike off into the woods, I would try to go as deep as I could, and my goal was to not even see a human being. And it would be a great weekend if I accomplished that. And then if sure enough, somebody would walk by and say, how you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, I heard somebody. But see, I'm that type of person, but I also feel the responsibility of what God has given me, and I don't let my personality get in the way of my calling. Because obviously I'm sitting here talking, which was odd for an introvert. But I, I don't separate those two. I don't say, God, uh, um, I can't do this because my personality dictates something different. Or you might have yourself in a situation uh, that you might say, I can't really be a voice of God because the people I'm around right now would call me a hypocrite. Well, guess what? Call yourself one in front of them and repent in front of them and then tell them about Jesus. You, I, we've all messed up. We've all caused the sound of God from our life to either become distorted or turned down or it's not mixed right. We've all done that. But the calling on your life and the command of God, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a people belonging to God, you no longer belong to you. And some of us in this room, we've lost our sound. You pretty much just exist as a Christian. You're not thriving. You're not impacting the world. And I just want to challenge you as we dig deeper into this. That Think of it this way. We're the pre-party music. The church is the pre-party music. 
The party hasn't started, but we're going to play the music before the party. We're the ones saying, hey, here's what the party's going to sound like. Because there is a party coming. Jesus even said it. He said in Luke 15, it's not up on the screen, but if you want to write it down, Luke 15, 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Everybody say one. Over one sinner who repents. Repent, again, means change of mind and change of direction. Then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So the Bible says when we play this song, the song that we have, the message that we have, if it brings one person to salvation, heaven. Jesus says heaven stops. This is the only time in Scripture where we see that heaven stops something. Heaven is a place where there's constant, unbroken praise to God. But heaven stops and looks. And then they go, yeah, then a party breaks out when somebody meets Jesus. I like parties. I used to like parties that I did a bunch of terrible things that didn't honor Jesus. But I still like to party. Jesus parties. Jesus, I've been a bigger partier since I became a follower of Christ than, than before. See, we're the pre-party music but something else you need to realize is that God's music is amplified through us. You say, well, Brian, I'm not a loud person. Well, you don't have to be. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive, everybody say, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit in you makes you a witness. The music you cannot turn off. It's just how, is, how are people hearing it? Where are you trying to play it? I just try to turn it up all the time. Everywhere I go, and I mess up a lot of times, sometimes the mix is off and people are like, man, what is that? That sounds terrible. But Paul got to this place, the apostle Paul got to this place where it seems like he was saying, this is my jam. This is my Jesus jam. Listen to what he said in Acts 20, 24. He says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying of the gospel of God's grace. Paul says, I turn up the volume and it's the only song that matters. It's the only thing that matters in my life is to testify and tell people about Jesus. Because Jesus is why they exist. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The volume is turned up when I... And then we're going to talk about three things. When I, the first one is when I declare the praises of God. You may not realize this. But if, you're a, if you know Jesus and you're a part of His family, He wants you to declare His praises. He commands it. In fact, he made you so specific for praise that you never stop praising something. Every one of us in this room are in a constant state of worship. God made you a worshiper. But you've got to figure out where that worship is directed. And he's, he's saying, declare the praises of God to the people. You need to be that voice. You need to turn that up. And when the volume gets turned up in your life, when you allow God to become the overwhelming saturation and purpose of your life, the volume gets turned up. 
We can read that again in uh, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. Why? That you may, you get to, we get to, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You ever been in a place where you, it was dark and you stumped your toe and somebody cut on the light and you said, Oh, thank you. I can see now. This is what God has done. I mean, most of us, we, we're still walking around kicking our toes in the dark. There's nothing more painful than that. Praise God in heaven, it says there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. <laughs> you can't stub your toe in heaven. I'm excited about that because that hurts. Listen to what the psalmist said because he said something similar. Psalm 105.1, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known among the nations what He has done. See, we play the only song that matters. Every other song is just noise. If there's anything in your life that is not directed to, by, and for Jesus, then it's just noise. It's worthless. It will burn in the end. It doesn't matter. And if you were to make a list of all the things that you do that don't have anything to do with God, and the list that everything that does have to do with God, the one that doesn't is useless. Now, Brian, that sounds a little bit strong because i got to work, i got to provide food. No, you can still do that for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's nothing in your life that can't be directed in glorifying God unless it's sinful. You cannot glorify God in sin. So those, those things are simple. Quit doing them. You've been given, everybody say power. You've been given power over them. You have an amplifier to drown out, called the Holy Spirit, to drown out the noise of the world and the temptations of the world. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 12, 4. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Here it is again. Make known among the nations what He has done and proclaim that His name is exalted. Thursday and Friday this past uh, just a couple days ago, I had the honor and the responsibility of driving at Merlefest. We had several people driving, taking shifts, but the shift I had was I was driving this black van, uh, picking up artists and taking them to the stages. So I uh, met a bunch of famous people who I, can't, I, I have no idea who they are. Isn't that funny? Like I, I met some people from France and learned French. I'm fluent in French now. Uh, I met some people from Asheville and Tennessee. Patrick, wherever you are, I learned even more redneck than what I am. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff, but one of the things I'm like, okay, I have a 12-day-old at home. He was 12 days old on my first shift. I said, I'm not going to waste this because I'd, I'd rather be at home than driving around people, so I'm going to try to be music. I'm going to try to be a voice, and I'm going to try to look for every opportunity and I, I'll be honest with you, it's always awkward when you try to intentionally share the gospel in some type of way. But so is hanging uh, naked on a cross. Yeah, I went there. There's nothing that you're going to do that's more awkward than, than that. Than dying for a people who could care less about it when you're doing it. I'm so grateful for, for the Lord to, in His shame took upon my shame for his glory. So I look for opportunities and 
I just tried to find ways to bring up the gospel with every one of these people. One of the ways that I did that was I just said, hey, I know it's sometimes hard to find a quick ride because you got to get somebody at the radio to call you a ride and all this kind of stuff, but here's my card. You can just text me. Well, Friday night about 10 o'clock, I get a call from France, <laughs> and one of the guys was calling me from France. Uh, I got a call this morning at 8.30 and says, hey, are you driving the Bernhardt van? I said, no, but we do have somebody at Celebration that is. I said, I'm preaching this morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. You told me. I invited about, probably about 200 people here this morning, which most of them would be playing this morning. And if you are here from Merle Fest and I invite you, I'm glad you're here. But I just look for those opportunities because what other reason would I have to drive that van? Meeting famous people isn't going to do anything for the kingdom of God unless they meet Jesus. And then there's great things that can be done for the kingdom of God. I mean, I, I can drop names and tell you all the people that I met. But what is that for the kingdom of God and the glory of God unless I say, Hey, do you know this person? I was able to share Christ with them. They met Jesus and oh my goodness, you won't believe what they're getting ready to do in the world. But if none of us turn up the music in our life and give that opportunity for people to hear the sound in the message of Jesus, then we have no idea what could happen in the world. We wonder why the church stagnates. But when I turn up the volume is when I declare the praises of God. The second is I live the Jesus life. I, I word it that way because it's the Jesus life, not Jesus part of my life. Listen to what Peter said. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, as strangers, as illegitimate children in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. There should be a Jesus life, and it should be the such a good life that people want it. I always want to compel us and drive myself and drive us to say, hey, we should be the happiest, most joyful people on planet Earth. We should be the most contagious people on planet Earth. But sometimes it, it, we act like we're ashamed of Christ. Or like he's a secondary thing. We talked about last week, he's this personal thing, he's personal to me. Well, yes, he is. Everyone will stand before God alone. And give an account of what you did with Jesus. He's personal in that sense. But the second he becomes personal, you, you feel compelled to share that with the world. There's not a person in this room that escapes the responsibility of the gospel. Unless you don't know the gospel. Unless you've never met Jesus, then you have no responsibility to Jesus. See, the Jesus life is good. Colossians 3, 4 says this. When Christ, if you've got a Bible, I want you to underline these next four words. Who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's read that together. When Christ, who is your life. Let's do it again. When Christ, who is your life. Man, I grew up in church. And I will... I'll be honest, I've, I've, I've always thought up until I started reading the Bible for myself that Christ was an addition to my life. Then I read that verse and I'm like, that's not how it is at all. Christ is your life. If he's not your life, he can't be. Jesus is not an addition. 
He's a consumption. He consumes your life. He is not added to it. He's not an add-on. He's not an accessory to your car. He's not like an accessory to your life. Now, when we're playing our song, we got to realize that it's so crucial that people are, will die in eternity if we do not play it. Isaiah said this, Turn to me and be saved, all ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is no other song to play. If we don't play it, people will not meet him. And if you understand the analogy of what I'm saying by play the song, is living the life, being an evangelist, sharing the gospel. The third thing is when the volume is turned up, when I let that life be seen by all. I'm excited for the day, and I hope it's today, and I'm praying that God makes it today that a church will raise up in Wilkes County where they will make sure that everyone hears the song of Christ, where you will let that life be seen by all, even in the midst of your mess and your struggle, that you will let the life in Christ be seen by all. Because Peter says this in First uh, Peter 2 verse 12 he says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven you pull up to the light you got the Jesus song going on whatever it is people hear it and they glorify God you walk into your workplace and just by the way that you live and the way that you work or the athlete you are on the field or the student you are in school or the husband that you are to your wife or the the mother that you are to your children just because of that people will glorify God. That's what the Bible says. Now, do we believe that or not? I mean, either that's true or it's not. That's, it's really simple. The gospel is simple. Either Jesus died and he is God or he didn't. We talked about this when we were singing Tremble, that song. That song's so powerful. Jesus, Jesus. Well, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are some of you need this encouragement. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Why did Jesus say that? Because he knows people are doing it. He knows people in this room, and even my, me, a lot of times, we, the, we have the light, the music is playing, but we either roll up the window or turn down the knob. Or we hide it. We don't want people to see, because what will people say if they hear that music or they see that light? Hey, what is that? Well, sorry, let me put that away. It's personal. He says instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. That they may, where did Peter get his words that we just read? From Jesus, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People should see it. It should be loud, not obnoxious. We've got to share the gospel because we're going to be held accountable. I want to read you something sort of scary out of Ezekiel. Maybe sobering is a better word. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17, it says, Son of man, I have made you, everybody say me, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel, so hear the word I speak and give the warning, give them a warning from me. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely 
die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him. If you don't warn him or you don't try to say, hey, hey, you're going to fall off, you're going to do that. If you don't do that, if you just keep your mouth shut and be a good southern person, if you just turn the music down when somebody walks into the room of your life, if you do not dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, I was just talking with a mom who I'm going to have an intervention with her son, a son I love very much, who's avoiding me like the plague. He even told a guy on staff when he was by here, uh, they asked, uh, are you not going to go in and see Brian? No, I'm afraid of Brian, which I don't know why he's afraid of me. And he said, why are you afraid of Brian? Because uh, I don't know. I love this kid, but he's walking away from Jesus. And yeah, I want to grab him by his shirt and pull him right here and tell him how much I love him and he's going he's gonna to destroy his life. But he's a removed accountability. He's removed community. He's removed several things. And that's why a lot of us, we can sit in this big room and a lot of times he'll sit in this big room. And most of us can do that and we can feel good about it. We did our weekly thing. But then we can live and just destroy our life out here. It says, the wicked man will die for his sins. And listen to this. I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do, not, if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from his sin, wickedness, or from his evil ways, he will die for his sins, but you have saved yourself. So I want to ask a question. Will you be their irresistible sound of God in this irresistible family of God for the irresistible glory of God? I want to ask that question again. Will you be the irresistible sound of God in this irresistible family of God for the irresistible glory of God? And that's just the next step today is you saying and just writing it out. I hope everybody writes this out. If you haven't written anything else, this is a commitment that you make is this. I will be the irresistible sound of God. We want to grow so wide that the message of Jesus Christ goes across the earth and we want to be a catalyst for that. Or we want another church to be a catalyst to light us on fire. But we want to be a, the biggest speaker in the world that people go, what is that sound? What is that song? Who are those people? And we'll just go, oh, I'm glad you asked. I was going to tell you anyways because that's just what I do. I can't quit talking about him. About who? About Jesus. He's completely wrecked my life. I used to be this way, and I used to be an illegitimate son, and I used to be an orphan, or whatever you want to call it, but God has adopted me into his family, and I'm part of the greatest family on earth. We've got more hospitals and universities in the world. We, we have people all over the, the planet doing social justice, helping the, the hungry, giving medical care, schools, all over the world, there's no greater family than the church. If you look at any, any mark left in history, you will find the church. Now that's starting to fade. You know why it's fading? It's 
not because the music stopped. It's not because the bulb has gone out. You can Google this. Type in when you get home, light bulb been burning forever at fire department. And there's a live stream that you can watch. It's really exciting. Of a camera pointing at a light bulb in a fire department. I can't remember how long it's been burning, like a hundred and something years, one bulb. It's the only time it's ever gone out is when the power's gone out. Now, how many of you need that light bulb in your house? So, you, yeah, I was like, you know why that bulb is not made anymore? Because there wouldn't be a light bulb industry. You wouldn't need another light. Guess what? We don't need another light. It hasn't gone out. You've hidden it, and I've hidden it. The music's not off. You can't turn this radio off, but you can turn it down. You can hide the light under a bowl. You can mute it. But why would you? Light gives people ability to see. And the sound lets people hear a message of hope and of truth. The band's going to come out, and here in just a couple minutes, we're going to take communion. I'll go ahead and give some housekeeping. If you'll take your cup and you'll look in fr- uh, at the end and you'll look at the seat in front of you, you'll see a little ring. That's where your cup's going to go when you're done. All right, housekeeping over. I want to do communion just a little bit different because communion is about coming to the table of the Lord and us taking in remembrance of his body and his blood, his body broken and his blood shed. The Bible talks about not coming to the table and taking if you have unconfessed sin or things not dealt with. But since we're talking about being a light, being the music, being a voice, and being evangelistic in the community, I want us to come to this table as a commission. And if you taking of the, the, the body, the bread, and of the cup, which represents his bloodshed, and you taking that, and getting with somebody here in just a few minutes and praying with them and you taking as a small group, maybe you get with your life group if you're not in life groups before y'all take to see if there's anybody standing alone and invite them into the family. You can actually put some things to action this morning in a setting like this. But I don't want you to come to this table unless you're willing to be commissioned by God and you're, you're saying, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to turn it up at work. Because I have the most loving father and the most irresistible family, and I have a message to share. And I'm going to do that through my serving and the way that I work and the way that I speak and the way that I eat and I drink. And every part of my life is not going to be compartmentalized where Jesus is a part of this part of my life, but not a part of this. That Jesus is my life. And that you find a way to be that sound. I mean, we just filled a county that has 69,000 people with probably at least that many that came to listen to a bunch of bluegrass and Americana, which that, all that music is awesome. But in the end, it will not matter unless there's something greater behind that sound. And I met several people that are playing on the Watson stage day before yesterday that their goal is to constantly share the gospel through their bluegrass and through their Americana and through whatever some of those people play some weird music
I don't know what other reason why we would even exist and sit in a room week by week unless it's to be an irresistible family with an irresistible sound for the irresistible glory of God. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray, and it's simple. Whenever you feel, just take a moment. Don't hop real quick, but just take a moment. Ask God to show you what's keeping you from being the voice, the sound, the light. Ask Him to show you if there's a sin that you need to to maybe go to your accountability partner and say, hey, here's a besetting sin that I need to deal with. Here's something that's going on in my life that I'm struggling with. Maybe some of you just need to say, God, would you awaken this? And I've, I've turned the switch off in my life and I can't find the switch. God, can you cut it back on? Because some of you, you've just been burnt out. You've, you're losing hope. You're losing focus. And that's what Satan would have. Just take a moment and just say, God, show me whatever you want to show me, and I will respond right now. And when the time's right, I want you just to come down, and you can, you can take communion along. We're together in the room. You don't have to do it with your life group, but some of you are that close to that part of this family. But I'm going to ask everybody to come, if you'll come down the aisles and circle this way. So if you come down this aisle, I want you to go out. If you, I want everybody to come down this aisle and go back out that way. That way we just keep traffic going. But let's pray together. God, I want to be the irresistible sound of Jesus. And God, I confess and we confess that often there's not much that is irresistible in my life. But God, I pray I just keep shining because the pressure is not on me, God. Light overcomes darkness. Not me, but you live in me. So Lord, all I have to do is turn on the music, turn on the light. The sound will travel as far as you want it to go. The light will illuminate as far as you want it to go, but it will always overcome because of you. So, Lord, the pressure is off of me and it's off of us. So, Lord, would you just set us free in this room and commission us to be that irresistible sound, to be the people that want to grow wider. We want to impact our community and make a difference for your glory and for your fame. May we not come to this table blatantly out of religion or out of ritual, but may we come to it because of our relationship with you is so overwhelming that we say, God, please make me a light. Please make me the irresistible sound to this world. And Lord, as we remember your blood shed for us, it is by your blood that we are washed clean. And Lord, we remember your body broken for us. It is through your body broken that we are healed. So we come and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. We proclaim you to the nations. And we live our lives in such a way that people will glorify you, Lord. So, Father, may addiction again be broken this morning. May marriages be healed this morning. May prodigal sons and daughters run back to you. May we quit playing patty cake with you, Jesus. And may you be our life. Jesus, in your name that we pray. I'll be over here.